The reading for today's sermon comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was so short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of the one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, it is my great privilege and honor to welcome Reverend Neil Ponder to Peachtree's pulpit today. I said earlier this morning in the welcome that Reverend Ponder, it's hard for me to stop from just calling him Neil, is no stranger to many of you. It was upon my first coming to Peachtree that I gave permission to two people right off the bat, and that one was to Reverend Bell and one was to Reverend Ponder to say, if there's anything I need to say or not say, to do or not do, to phone calls I need to make, you have full permission to tell me exactly what you think I need to do. That's because I respect and admire your dedication to this place. And so it has been so good to be a friend of Neil's over these past few years, and invariably when we're going to make a pastoral visit or to go have lunch together, he will come out to the car with a stack full of books I need to read, with sermons I need to listen to, listen to this, you need to know this, here's something for you. And I would say I'm so grateful for you as a friend and as a mentor, and what I know about Neil is he loves this church, he cares for our common future together, he cares about preaching, and he's here to give a good and fair faithful word. And so you, pl you please welcome him to the Peachtree Pulpit. I would betray my real feelings if I did not say at the beginning how delighted I am to be back in this pulpit where I have stood many times over the last 20 or 25 years. I'm grateful to Dr. Longbonds for the invitation that he extended to me several weeks ago to be the preacher of the morning. I think we should be very appreciative and grateful to God for Dr. Longbonds and for all of our ministers and for our lay staff. This has been a very difficult year for every one of us. 
and our church staff and our lay leadership have striven to make our church all that it should be. They have been particularly concerned that young and old alike will stay safe and secure and healthy. And while some of us may not have agreed with every uh, effort to do those things, we certainly come together as the pandemic ceases to be as strong and powerful as it was a year ago. I want us to join together in mind, in body, in spirit to support this church. Did you know that in four years we will celebrate 100 years of existence. I hope that, uh, that we will be ready for a marvelous celebration four years hence. When this church was established, it took as its motto, we will be a cathedral to the city of Atlanta. And that still is our motto. We want to be a, a cathedral to the city. We want to reach out in worship, in fellowship, in study, and in service to this community and beyond. And I hope that you will join me in prayer and in supporting the church with your time, your treasure, and uh, your service. I thank Dr. Wortman for his kind words of presentation. I remember the first Sunday that uh, he and his family came to Peachtree. He came into the partner's Sunday school class and I was teaching that morning. I still remember that the scripture passage was that uh, wonderful um, passage in Romans where Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And he came in a few minutes uh, after we had begun. I knew who he was. I had seen his picture. I had read his bio. And I told the class something about him. And if I remember correctly, he led our closing prayer. You may not realize, but on August the 1st, two months from now, Jared and his family will celebrate the beginning of their fifth year among us.
and I know you will want to speak to them and tell them how pleased we are that he is on our staff and that his family is a part of our fellowship. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, and the works of our hands be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Some friends of mine, back before the pandemic came upon us, would meet occasionally for conversation, for fellowship, and for refreshments. The conversation was usually somewhat light and often humorous, but on this particular evening, the conversation became rather serious. People began to talk about crisis moments in their lives. One woman spoke up and said that if she lived to be a hundred years old, she would never be able to express her thanks to a neighbor and friend who came to her when her little daughter became seriously ill. She said this person did far more than she ever expected and uh, she would never be able to repay her. We all know something of what that person was feeling. Another person in the group spoke up and said something very significant. She said, we cannot always repay people for what they've done for us, but we can pass on their kindness and their generosity to others. I think we see that in the Zacchaeus story in the 19th chapter of Luke. This is a very familiar story to all of us. Jesus comes into the village of Jericho and before long he turns his attention not to the mayor of the town, not to the richest person in the town, not to the commanding officer of the army, but to this outcast tax collector. The people are amazed. 
They do not like Zacchaeus. They feel that he has cheated them out of some of their money. They did not think of him as someone that Jesus would uh, come to and uh, reach out to. I've always loved this story because Zacchaeus has heard about Jesus. He wants to see him, and he climbs a sycamore tree because he's a, a man short of stature enable, to, to enable him to see this teacher and this rabbi. It's interesting to me that uh, after Jesus befriends him, after he extends his gracious hospitality to him, that uh, Zacchaeus says something very significant. He says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will restore it four times over. Dr. Fosdick used to say often in sermons, my soul, what a passage that is. And I think, my soul, what a conversion experience. Because Zacchaeus reaches out to people that he has hurt, people that he has charged taxes that uh, they did not owe, and talks to these people, passing on what he has received from them. We see in the Zacchaeus story how Jesus walked into the life of Zacchaeus and offers him amazing grace. The break that he did not deserve, the love he did not expect, the forgiveness he doesn't merit and the kindness he can't repay. It is God's gift, and when we accept it, 
we scramble down from our sycamore trees and reach out to pass it on to other people. There are three things that I want to say this morning that I hope you will remember. I want to talk about them very briefly. First, we find here in the Zacchaeus story the gift of acceptance. Jesus surprised everybody that day in Jericho because he reaches out to this man who was disliked, who was often referred to as a scoundrel, who was an outcast, and he reaches out to him in accepting and generous love. Let me ask you something. If Jesus were to come into this church sanctuary from off Peachtree or Spring Street today, where do you think he would sit? I believe that Jesus would search around and find in this sanctuary the person who is hurting the most, the person who is sad and grief-stricken, the person who longs for acceptance and for comfort and for understanding. I believe that's the person Jesus would sit down next to. He accepted people. Casey Jones was the famous coach of the Boston Celtics some years back. And uh, oftentimes he would not say much to the person who scored the winning basket or the player who scored 50 points, he would reach out to the person who was struggling and accept that person in a meaningful and profound way. Kevin McHale, who was one of his outstanding players, asked him about this one day. He said, uh, why is it that you reach out to the person who is struggling? And Coach Jones said this, 
He said, when you've scored 55 points, when you have scored the winning basket, 15,000 people are cheering for you. It's the person who's struggling, the person who is trying to find himself that needs me the most. And he would reach out in kindness and in helpfulness. The second thing that I want to say about uh, this story is that we find here not only the gift of acceptance, but we find here the gift of forgiveness. Jesus told many parables. These lower windows here in the sanctuary are called parable windows. And sometime if you have a moment, you ought to come and look at each one. Each one depicts one of the parables of Jesus. And one of Jesus' parables is called the parable of the unmerciful servant. In this parable, a king forgives someone who owes him an incredible debt. Sometimes it's referred to as a $10 million debt. The man can't pay it. But the king forgives him. The man goes out of the palace, and in the street he sees a friend who owes him $20. He grabs the man by the throat and says, pay me my $20. The man can't do it and he thrusts the man into prison. The king hears about it, and he's incensed. He goes to the man whose big debt he has forgiven and thrusts him into prison. You know the meaning of the story. There are some things that we can't, we can't uh, repay, but we can experience the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of God. God offers us acceptance, he offers us forgiveness, and we pass it on. The third and final thing that I want to say is that 
In this story, we see something of the kindness of Jesus. The kindness of Jesus. One of the interesting things that we learn as we think about Zacchaeus and Jesus is that Jesus was always kind to others. Do you remember that Jesus often healed people. He reached out to people who needed a word of kindness. One New Testament scholar says Jesus was kind all the way to Calvary. One of the great preachers of Methodism some years back was a man by the name of Jim Moore. He's a few years my junior. He's 82 or 83. I'm 85. And Jim Moore was the pastor for 25 years of the 8,000-member St. Luke's Methodist Church in Houston, Texas. He wrote a number of books. And in one of his books, he tells this story. He says, when he was 13 years of age, his father was killed in an automobile accident. A few nights later, he and other members of his family stood by his father's casket in the funeral home. He said many people came by, some of them he knew, others he did not know. But all said substantially the same thing. Jim, your dad was kind to us. Your father was a kind man. And Jim Moore, who was only 13, said, I resolved that night that I was going to be a kind person. That the way I could pay tribute best to my father was to be that kind of person, a kind person. And he said, I have tried to be that person. I've not always succeeded, but I have tried. Kindness. We need that in these perhaps post-pandemic times. Three things that this story teaches us. Three things that each one of us can do. We can be accepting. We can be forgiving. We can be kind. I close with this. 
When I was a young minister, only in my early 30s, I was appointed to be pastor of the Methodist Church in Oxford, Georgia. It's a little village not far from Covington. I was also appointed to be the chaplain and uh, instructor in Bible and religion at Oxford College of Emory University. Emory was founded at Oxford in 1836, and a fine college held forth there until 1919 when the college moved to Druid Hills in Atlanta. And of course, we all know that Emory has become one of the great universities of this country with a wonderful medical school, nursing school, law school, and theology school. A two-year school has remained at the Oxford location. A boy or girl can do their freshman and sophomore years work at Oxford and then be received into the junior class at Emory, Atlanta. I enjoyed my time at Oxford. I was there during the 70s, which was a terrific time in the life of our nation. It was the time of the Vietnam War and the protests against the war. It was the continuing struggle for civil rights that had begun in the 60s under the leadership of people like Dr. King and others. It was a critical time. But the reason I'm telling you this is, is because there was a song, a contemporary popular Christian song that the students at Oxford enjoyed singing back in the 70s. The words go like this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread God's love to everyone. You want to pass it on. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. I want my world to know. The Lord of love has come to me and I want to pass it on. That's my message today. Let's pass on. God's acceptance, God's forgiveness, and God's kindness. Will you pray with me? Lord, bless us this day. We thank you for those who worship in this sanctuary, for those who watch this service online, Help us to be the people that you would have us be. 
And may we have in our lives the acceptance, the forgiveness, and the kindness that Jesus offered to Zacchaeus 2,000 years ago. Bless us all and make us a blessing. In Christ's name, amen.